we've got to wear masks to go shopping. I don't know how that works if you go to the bank, though. Does everybody think they're going to get robbed? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Matthew Knight, and welcome to another episode of No More Water Cooler. This week, we have a wonderful collection of people together to talk about what the potential for co-working is uh, post-COVID. Will it have changed? Uh, will the old model of, of turning up to a, uh, a space with hundreds of other people be out of the window? Or is it is it the future of what our offices are going to be look like? I am joined by Hannah, Matthew and Ben. Thank you so much for uh, joining me uh, this afternoon. Hannah, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, we're um, gearing up to open our first space in less than two weeks. So I'm rather hectic, but I'm delighted to have found the time to join you all for a conversation. Thank you, Hannah. I really appreciate it. Matthew, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Matthew. We are currently in uh, phase three of de-escalation on our island and uh, COVID has has had a a positive impact on our business. So it's probably quite different from many other organisations, I suspect. That's great to hear. And Ben, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm enjoying working from home and spending lots of time in the garden. And yeah, very good, thank you. Well, thank you for coming together and, and discussing this. I, I've very specifically brought you together because you you think about co-working in very different ways. So I'd love to start off with if you could just give us a, a brief introduction to how you see uh, co-working as, as your business model uh, portrays it. Hannah, let's start with you. Can you tell us about ARC? Yeah, of course. So ARC is a neighbourhood workspace and it was really created um from my experience and that of my co-founders in the workplace that we needed somewhere that was in between an office space and home um it was either that we already had an office space but spent one or two days a week working from home or that um we were freelancers but didn't want to take uh out the cost of an office now there's many reasons why people don't want an office and some of them um have come into force even more recently with COVID-19 one of the important ones being that some people for some people it doesn't work having a long commute and then they might have other commitments and domestic commitments nearer to home or for some reason or other want to have a workplace that's much nearer home so art club is different from um what many people might be familiar with in co-working in that it's always going to be in residential neighborhoods not in city centers we've designed an operating model that can um be uh that can take on underutilized assets so like ground floor retail small spaces um and we're really focused on supporting the idea of neighborhoods so we believe that you know everything that you need can and should be in your local neighborhood and that that might also bring us a greater sense of well-being um, and kind of balance in our lives. Ben you also have a model which is very much around using underutilized spaces tell us about WeCoffee. Yeah it's really interesting and actually Hannah and I should probably have a chat um, at some point so we launched a business model providing totally free workspace for people where they could get free coffee and big discounts on food and drink Uh, for free in underutilised workspaces around London. Our goal was to reduce commuting and put them uh, distributed um, in 
non-centrally located areas, uh, one of them from an environmental impact. I worked on lots of mobility services of like ride hailing and transport solutions. And I believe the best commute is no commute, not an electric helicopter from Uber or something like this. I think that's probably not very environmentally friendly. <laughs> we should invest in horses. Which which of the apps is going to do um, on-demand horses first? That would be cool, actually. I quite like that. <laughs> I used to live in Wiltshire on a livery farm, and we had something not too dissimilar to get to the pub and back. <laughs> um, the interesting thing for us was we found that people didn't do it. They wanted to commute into Zone 1, and they wanted to go and use spaces in Zone 1. They right. wouldn't use the spaces locally where we put them. So we learned from what people were doing and started putting spaces in Zone 1. Um, I'm really hoping post-COVID that this is something that changes. And maybe people are more used to this. Um, I'm really interested to to see what happens, um, but I don't know. Um, I guessed one thing the first time, and I was wrong. Um, I'm hesitant to guess again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very disappointed to hear that you don't have a crystal ball because I think we could have all uh, benefited from that. And Matthew, tell us about Worker because you're taking a very different model again. Yeah, so Worker is a, a virtual office. So it's a, a digital platform that, that replicates uh, an online office or co-working space, if you would like to envisage it in that perspective. And it's the idea is to um, allow people to work from anywhere, but together. Um, so very much in the, the same ilk where we, we wanted to sort of take away people's commute, give people the time to spend, be more present with their family. Um, and then also, obviously, the, the added benefits there are of sort of the carbon reduction um, from this perspective as well. And it, it was actually born out of a, a company that is a remote first recruitment agency where they wanted a platform where they could all be together, but yet be present with their family. So that the agency is uh, sort of stay at home mums and dads. So the, the founders thought, well, we need some space where we can all be together and work. Um, and then as the, the platform grew and as the sort of the, the clients popped into the platform, everybody sort of, sort of started asking, where can we get one of those for our teams? And then it sort of grew from there, really. And one of the, one of the interesting aspects for us is that sort of for co-working um, sort of physical offices, it's, we see it as something additional that you can have for your members where if they wanted to still work in the co-working space, but one day they had to be working from home, then the team could still be together. So that's a great question to start with. I mean, uh, Hannah, you, you've mentioned here that your insight is very much that people don't always want to be working in a single place. In the conversations which you're having with your members, are there kind of commonalities and patterns of people want to have a blend of office and home and a, and a third space like a co-working space? Yeah, so I think that for different people, different things matter. But I would definitely say for our members, at least our initial members, they're really looking at ARC being a bit of an anchor for them. Um, when it comes to work and so for some people it's that they're not going to get back into their 
um, corporate office until next year. So they're looking for an interim space for six months, um, which they might continue a few days a week afterwards anyway, if they continue to work from home. It's really an alternative to working from home or a local cafe, somewhere where they can just go for four hours and get their work done that's very separate from their kind of personal um, home life. And I know for some people that de it definitely works to work from home. There's lots of benefits and, you know, they might have a study or a separate space so they can kind of separate the two. But in London and particularly dense parts and in East London, you know, you might have flatmates where you're both trying to share the same kitchen. Your desk might be in your bedroom, creating, you know, blurring of space um, that nobody really is that keen on. And so really arcs, um, yeah a distinct sort of anchor for people um that even if they might only spend one or two days a week there they're still coming there regularly ben with the wee coffee offering you've very much been focusing on on networking and community building as well why is that an important part of what you're trying to do um so why does community matter to us so i spoke about how we started launching the business around free workspaces with these offers and that was sort of born of a, a need of my co-founder and looking at what other people were doing in the market and thinking what I thought was fair as someone who freelanced for a very long time. What we learned was it was less about the space, but the other people who were in the space that made people want to come to it and want to return to it. I believe you can't be co-working if you're sitting in a space completely by yourself, um, that's not co-working anymore. It's just working somewhere alone. Um, and I think it's really sort of born out of, you see it with people's favourite cafes or their favourite pub or the local shop that they go to. It's how you're greeted, it's how you're met, it's how you feel within that space. And that, to me, is community, going to your local shop or your cafe, um, so for us, we started really focusing on community and the workspace and now Slack group, something obviously Matt, you know, a lot about is our conduits for that community to engage and co-work with each other. So I now look at the workspace as a facilitator to what we were, what we're trying to achieve as a goal, which is that connectedness, uh, that ability to work from anywhere. Um, so that's why it matters to us because it's what matters to our members and Matthew I I would imagine that uh, a lot of businesses are trying to figure out how they do bring their their teams closer together at the moment whilst people are working apart beyond the operational uh, challenges of or accessing the file server or you know making sure people can zoom with each other um, are you seeing that a lot of your members are looking to put some more emotional support in place how are they actually helping people connect on a on a deeper level yeah absolutely it's 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 interesting you, you mentioned community and how companies are, are trying to maintain that sort of office vibe and office community uh, and certainly from to the HR sort of community and HR directors that we've spoken to, there's, there's a lot of focus on trying to maintain that company culture, that company community, um, whilst we're all sort of working, distributed or at home, um, and trying to, um, I suppose, to a lesser extent, keep the, the isolation and the feeling of loneliness to a point where it's it's bearable and and to keep those lines of communication open 
between the teams and sort of certainly channels such as Slack and sort of the companies that use Worker, it's, it's quite fortunate it's one of the, the bonuses of using to this kind of platform where they, they get to be all together and try and continue that um, community. But I think there's sort of quite a few um, other tools out there that people are using. But I think sort of what, what's come out of this is that there's a lot more one-on-ones happening on a, a lot more regular basis um, within the community rather than sort of once a month. Things have sort of switched to sort of daily or weekly which I think can only be a benefit um, to try and uh, sort of keep people motivated and sort of happy within the workplace. And that, that's what it's all about, isn't it, is creating communities and lots of people, you know, their lives are born in the office. They meet their wife, their, their kids and so forth. And it'd be interesting to see how, how that changes as the world of work changes and sort of co-working spaces such as Hannah's where they get to go to a community place can be that sort of next stage of the office type of thing. And and Hannah, I mean, you're starting a business at a time where nobody's allowed to go to physical spaces. How has that been for you? Well, we were very lucky, I would say, as a small business that um, in terms of timing that we hadn't yet opened when we went into lockdown. So we were able to really... Um, you know, we weren't letting anybody down who was kind of using the space or had signed up and then we had to stop. And, you know, we were able to manage and prioritize our staff and things like that. But I think um, I think we have an opportunity to actually improve the way that we're working now. I think, you know, this has raised the consciousness of a lot of people about how much we can work remotely, how much we can be connected remotely with technology. Um, also how much we need other people like I know this is a massive priority for you Matthew Knight that this is um you know mental health the mental health of freelancers is you know um can be really challenged um by working remotely and not interacting with people and not having the kind of security or routine that you get from being part of a corporate team or an office and so I think we've been really interested in thinking about what are the potential changes that are going to be accelerated as a result of people having more time spent working from home both in seeing the opportunities and the challenges and you know how can we be a part of um really a uh, new a new solution uh, like if i just might be able to give one one kind of key example which um you know all of our spaces um are going to be ground floor and fully accessible and that's been something that we've been interested in because you know um one in seven freelancers um according to you know published data which I can share with you is um has some form of disability and experiences some form of disability that has affected their choice in actually working freelance because they can't access you know an office and I think to us that was a really interesting point about how many different groups actually aren't serviced by our current ways of working and how then can we be a part of um we're obviously not going to be a solution for everybody but how can we serve those groups that are underserved by traditional ways of working and and just keeping on the topic of freelancers and independent workers for a moment um ben i know that you are investing quite heavily in i suppose like added services and and opportunities that that your members can get access to so you run uh regular events where people can can learn from specialists you're you're i think you're bringing a lot of people together who end up working together do you do you see that as an 
angle that co-working spaces plays for independent people to kind of create you know a, a part of their team in some ways yeah in terms of the value add from people working together especially as freelancers it's an interesting one co-working spaces i believe especially the big co-working spaces less than the local ones promote themselves as for freelancers and entrepreneurs so that's if you look at their corporate strategies they're trying to bring in as many enterprise teams as possible they're not actually interested in the freelancer but I think some of the spaces that really do focus on this, so I think somewhere like Runway East is a bit like this. Uh, I believe Cora has a focus on this, of combining the businesses and the freelancer communities together. Um, I see huge benefit in this. Um, it's that sort of cross-pollination. I worked a bit as a consultant, I think, and I worked for a very long time as a freelancer. I was billed out much higher as a consultant, uh, but with the same person. I think there's more of an equilibrium to be achieved by maybe having allowing enterprise to meet these freelancers and build some relationships with them without the sort of expensive account of the McKinsey corporate dinner or something. And there's more um, support and coordination between these communities in a healthier way than has happened previously in some of the discussions around. They are 35 and how they're now being treated. I just think there's a much healthier relationship that they had then. I think co-working can help that. And I do think places are missing on that opportunity to a degree, but I'm not I think there's a really interesting aspect there about how co-working spaces or any spaces where groups of people are coming together that don't necessarily work together is a really interesting engine for serendipity and, and making new and surprising connections. Matthew, uh, with with the worker platform, um, you know the the thing which we have in offices. You know, you bump into people, you have a conversation at a water cooler, you make a cup of tea, you you overhear somebody talking about what they were watching. Those those little micro interactions add so much value to our relationships. Do you think there's a there's a danger that digital tools are not uh, doing enough to to create those serendipitous interactions at the moment? Yeah, I, I would completely agree. It's the the sort of the the micro interactions, the social nuances um, that you you would be missing um, from the office. And I think you're right, you know, in certain platforms, uh, that can be something that you would be missing. Um, and I think that's where it comes into play, that you, you have that sort of hybrid, blended approach where you, for, for example, for myself, I work from home, but I always... For one day, maybe two days a week, I would go and work in a co-working space purely because we're humans. We, we like physical contact. So as much as you can be in like a work or office, for example, and you're, you're surrounded by your work colleagues, it is always nice to go and meet new people and physical people to have a cup of coffee with. And you get that nice sort of blended approach. Um, from that aspect, so I think we're looking at sort of a a hybrid aspect from what from what I've sort of understood and from what companies I've spoken to, they've almost sort of gone and this is where they how they're sort of returning to work, if you like. Their idea is that if you want to work in the office when the office reopens, or if you want to go back to your co-working space, then there's almost sort of well, this is the percentage put your name down. If you really can't work at home, then you're the priority to go back 
to a, a co-worker as well. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued in terms of sort of co-working spaces because here we've noticed that everything has to be sort of two metres apart. <laughs> so I, I'm intrigued how sort of co-working spaces, how that's going to reflect. Is it going to be like 50% less capacity in the space and, and how does it work? It's, it's, it's an interesting uh, future that we, we're coming up against and I'm not quite sure if anybody knows how it's going to work yet. But. Yeah, Ben and Hannah, I mean, you, you both have physical spaces that you, you, uh, you know, lease or, or work directly with. Are they uh, giving you guidance in, in how you need to return people to those spaces or are you clearly defining how people can and can't interact in those spaces? How are you, how are you coping with that? So we've um, we've written um, quite a comprehensive environmental policy that we've actually started working on as soon as we went into lockdown based on industry best practice, government guidelines and also what other companies are doing and have published. So we've invested um, some money in uh in part of that so we're introducing screens for example transparent screens that are going to be erected throughout the space we've completely transformed our capacities so that and we're removing half of the chairs so that we our plan is actually to maintain social distancing throughout the space um from the the foreseeable future basically so if you come in um, we're we're really minimising the chances of even if somebody has coronavirus in the space a view of that passing between any members. So we're going to have markings on the floor and um, yeah, and we're, we'll actually be ready, I think, to publish that next week. And we're really keen to kind of publish it and share it with anybody else in the industry who kind of wants to take a look at, at um, what we've found as like some of useful solutions in a, in smallish spaces so getting out that crystal ball which uh which none of us have what what are our predictions for um the next 12 months in terms of of uh people's return to work people's attitudes around where they want to work from do you think that uh, we're suddenly going to see this huge numbers of people going i've had enough working from home i just want to get into a, a different space or um do you think that actually organizations are going to be really proactive in terms of of designing policies of, of explaining where people can work from should work from or, or give them the the uh the autonomy to make those decisions themselves matthew what what do you think that the businesses that you're working with are most likely to to do when people start returning to physical spaces? I think just just from sort of conversations I've had, it seems to be very much a focus on asking the employees, which is always nice to nice to hear. I think they they are, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much sort of up to the employee. Some as we as we know, some people um, won't have a nice, comfortable home office um, to work out of. Um, some people perhaps sort of will not want to work at home, but equally they don't want to commute. So then, you know, you've got sort of your, the co-working spaces um, that, that will be available for them. Um, but I think there's, the general consensus seems to be this sort of hybrid approach that, that organisations will move to where it will, as Matthew, you quite rightly said, it will give sort of some autonomy to the actual employee and I, I think it very much comes down to um, sort of data security as well and what type of organization 
it is and, and how how much they're willing to to spend on sort of securing people's home networks um and so forth it's 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 it's, it's a really interesting space and I think the verdict is out, um, but I think from conversations I've had, there's definitely more of a sort of it's up to the employee if they want to work from home or not, which is you know a fantastic situation um, to to hear. That raises some interesting questions around the the employer's responsibility there. I mean, health and safety um, of employees is the employer's responsibility. Uh, but no line manager is going to go around and check that the toaster's kind of, uh, you know, the pat test has been done. Um, what are the things that we think employers are, are going to have to start stepping up? Because if they're giving decisions back to the employee of, of when they work and how they work, there needs to be some sort of pastoral element there. Do, do our employers kind of let themselves off the hook a little bit? Hannah, do you, do you think that there's a responsibility for employers to look after people regardless of what space they're working in. Um, what do you think? What do I think? I think absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the 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 Health and Safety at Work Act is a really in, has, has some massive gaps in it because it it requires you to look after the well-being of, of people who are on site. Um, but if you no longer have a site, what does that mean? And if people are working from home, there's obviously the physical aspect and there are, there are laws to protect the safety of individuals at home and there needs to be some sort of shared responsibility there. But I, I think it's, I think the health and safety aspect covers emotional safety as well. And there, there's the real gap. Um, if you can't see that somebody's struggling, you know, when you're at work, it might be a little bit easier to notice that they are having a bad day or their, their behaviors have changed. But if they're at the end of a piece of, string digital or otherwise do you are you giving up some of your kind of moral responsibility yeah, there I think that's I mean just like from my perspective of running a small business I mean it has been really challenging since we've all been working remotely since March and you know we're a startup and we're working um you know quite a lot and looking after everybody I think it's very important that people all like all employers always have an opportunity to share um, their idea their grievances but also their ideas for change within a company and that can be quite difficult to very large for very large companies but I think that ties in with autonomy like the more autonomy you're giving people then the more kind of feedback you need from those people and your employers to actually understand how you can be um, best servicing them and the more that you listen to them um, you know the better that you're going to be able to meet their needs and and find solutions I think and Matthew final question to you um if there's one thing which uh managers can do to help their their teams feel better connected at the moment what would you say that is is the the single most important things for those managers to be doing with their people I think that probably the single most important thing managers can do is a, a, a small upfront piece of work which is a, a communication charter um, just so everybody knows how to communicate whilst um, working from home or, or working remotely. Because um, that sort of intrinsically will give people this the peace of mind, if you like, of if you send an email, how long that email is going to take to be replied. Is what what is Slack your channel? Sort of what communication needs to be put through Slack? 
um, what elements um, would be sort of synchronous work against asynchronous work. And I and going back to the the health and safety, I one one thing I've sort of been curious about is if companies provide sort of better um, work from home policies, including sort of health and safety looks after them, will that have a positive knock on effect for freelancers and contractors where they'll feel that we've already set it up here, maybe we can add the value that we've created and give it to freelancers and contractors also. Because they, you know, essentially they, they've never really, from my experience, they've never really thought about your homework setup if you're a freelancer. But if you're employed by the company, they're probably going to think about these things. And then maybe a switch will click and they're like, oh, actually, why don't we look after our freelancers? And our contract is in this way also. That is a uh, not just one podcast episode in its own right. That is an entire series <laughs> on discussing that question. I think, yeah, it's like, I, I'm, I'm glad that we are, you know, the collective we are starting to build um, more and more networks of support for those who don't necessarily have an employer or somebody to turn to that they they can ask those questions. But as you say, Ben, and we kind of like, if if there is a collective groundswell of people that are saying actually you know there are lots of behaviors which aren't right there are lots of gaps in the system um there are lots of of models which are designed for one one way of working but don't support diversity of needs or kind of different uh, requirements that those individuals and teams have then i think you know slowly slowly we're starting to chip away at it i think i think coronavirus has been um horrific and and really challenging for so many groups of people yet it has also um i think shone a light on some some really significant areas of of change and has has prompted a lot of 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 change for many organizations and many individuals um and i hope it's not one of those things which you know when when we do return to whatever was before that it isn't just things fall back into the the old-fashioned models i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it on on one question for each of you um what's the first thing you're gonna do when you're allowed back out again when when things return to the new normal hammer what where are you gonna run off and spend half an hour <laughs> oh well i'm afraid I'm going to be quite boring, but I can't wait to be actually in our first ARC club. I've been waiting for this for two years and we've had to push it back by four months. So uh, I think I'm going to be celebrating with a beer in our bar with the rest of the team. Oh, and I can't wait. Sounds wonderful. Ben, how about you? Climbing, uh, number one. I'm desperate, desperate to go climbing. So if anyone who listens to the podcast knows where... I can go climbing and have good Wi-Fi and ideally camp because I'm an entrepreneur who has not made billions yet, sadly. Uh, I would love a recommendation and I will be looking in the comments or something below. That would be amazing. Uh, apart from this, we used to do a co-working brunch every week on a Wednesday and it was coffee, croissants, and our members could come along and we put it on. Uh, we're doing it online. I miss it like hell. I want to sit down and eat 15 croissants and feel really starved and yeah there's definitely something you it's it's less shameful to eat 15 croissants in front of other people but sitting at home ordering them online and eating to yourself i don't know why but uh and matthew how about you what's what's the thing you're going to do when you're released well fortunately we we pretty much already have been released um so the the beaches are open the bars and restaurants are open 
I've been surfing again the last couple of weeks. Um, but we, we've only just been allowed inter-island travel. So we have a, a snorkeling trip across uh, Tenerife on a, a turtle safari. Okay, I think that, that definitely wins the award for uh, kind of most exotic and interesting um well i mean the i just it just leads me to say thank you so much i think the th- first thing that i'm gonna uh do when i'm allowed out again um and that's nothing to do with covid that's a restraining order thing uh is is visit some co-working spaces because i i as much as i love my house i really really miss being able to move from space to space and i've recognized just how how much a critical part of having different environments and different spaces to work and meeting other people and having those conversations is a, a critical part of how I work. Um, so I, you know, from the bottom of my heart, not only thank you for your time today, but thank you for what you do for the communities and creating these spaces and places for people to work and interact. It's a, it's a, it's a critical, but I think underappreciated part of the, the ecosystem of modern work. So thank you uh, for joining us today and uh, work well. This was No More Water Cooler, a podcast from Leapers, supporting the mental health of the self-employed. If you're looking for a community of peer support, tangible resources and content that helps, or just fancy a cup of coffee with a friendly group of people, join the team for people without a team at www.leapers.co or search Leapers Community. Our production assistant is Stephanie Resort. Our title music was composed by Matt Dobson and I'm Matthew Knight. And until next week, work well.